Well, good morning. Happy Sunday. It is officially fall, so you can drink your pumpkin spice lattes without any guilt now. I don't judge you. I have pumpkin spice coffee creamer all the time. Uh, before we begin, will you please pray with me? Gracious God, we come to you now to your written word. May our hearts be filled with comfort and our minds be at ease as we hear and read your word together. And Lord, I ask that you use my words and for your benefit and for your worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for the past two weeks, we have started a new series and we've been focusing on our mission statement. Here at Westminster, we desire to invite all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service. But specifically, we've been focusing on that first part of the mission statement. What does it mean to invite all people? Pastor Dave has already highlighted those in our community who are disinterested in coming to church, those who come every once in a while, maybe only on Christmas or Easter, and those who are on the opposite side wherever we find ourselves. So today, we are focusing on the sad Sams. And if your name is Sam, I'm sorry, I was just going for alliteration. I'm not trying to point you out. The sad Sams are sometimes referred to as the Debbie Downers, the Negative Nancys, or more affectionately, the Eeyores of our community. Whatever the gross simplification is, whatever the title we give them, I think we can all think of somebody, someone who's just sad. Actually, to be honest, there are more sad Sams in the world than we may realize. According to the American Psychological Association, one in four people have anxiety or depression. Anxiety and depression rates have quadrupled since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Quadrupled. The APA has also published this past week that 20% of American teenagers have contemplated taking their own lives. 20%. I don't say this to bum us out and to make us sad. As someone who already has sad Sam tendencies, these statistics break my heart. I share these because they're important for us to know. They're important for the church to know what our community is experiencing. Pastor Dave has already alluded to the reality that we don't live in the same pre-COVID world that we lived in in 2019. We live in a pretty sad world. So how then do we come alongside these sad Sams? How do we invite them into the community and make them feel seen? How do we journey alongside them? So I had the opportunity to serve as a chaplain at UCLA Santa Monica um, a year ago. And I was there for about nine months, so it was quite a while. And this unit of CPE, or clinical pastoral education, gave me the most wonderful and heartbreaking experiences and opportunities to meet people in their darkest moments. So it was towards the middle of my program, I think it was around March or so, I met a young woman who was on one of my units that I uh, helped with, and she was literally undiagnosable. They had no idea what was ailing her. Doctors and nurses and specialists could not figure out exactly what was bringing so much pain for this young woman when it was apparent that she was not well. I still remember in my mind's eye walking into her room 
and just feeling the weight of her illness that had no name. She was tired, body, mind, and soul. If I close my eyes, I can still see her weary eyes over her mask as she met my own anxious eyes. What could I do? I was just a kid in my mind. I didn't know what to do. I often ask myself that question, what could I do? As I thought about this woman this past week and my own sad Sam tendencies and about the many, many others who feel weary in their minds and their souls, I was reminded of one of my favorite healing stories found in Mark 5. So Mark 5, Mark is my favorite gospel, so I get really excited. Mark 5 has three healing stories back to back to back, and each one builds upon the next. It's a powerful chapter, and we're going to focus on the second healing story found in Mark 5, 24 through 34. So it will be on the screen, but I will also read it aloud, or it's in your Bibles or your Bible apps if you want to follow along. So Mark 5, verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of us may know this story. Some of us may be vaguely familiar with this story. But if we unpack it and explore it a little bit together, I think we'll have a better understanding of how pivotal this moment was for this woman and how we can welcome the sad Sams among us. So we don't know much about this woman. Uh, Jesus was actually on his way to go help a man's daughter, Jairus' daughter, who was falling ill. But we don't know anything about this woman. We don't know her name. We don't know where she comes from. We don't know where she's been. We don't know anything except her physical ailment. Our text notes that she's been bleeding for 12 years. And in the first century, her physical ailment rendered her socially removed, financially ruined, and emotionally exhausted. Because of her situation, there was no way that she was deemed clean enough to even be touched. Or to touch another. Therefore, she probably couldn't have been married or had children. Very alone. This poor woman couldn't make it stop. She spent all that she had to rid herself of this issue, but it was to no avail. She would have to live on the outskirts of town with others who have been deemed unclean. I would love to say that this is a first century issue that, oh, we're just going to put these people on the outside and it's all better now in 2023, but it's not. 
depression, anxiety, grief, and many other mental health-related concerns can leave many sad Sams feeling isolated. For some, it isn't as easy as finding the right doctor or going on a walk every day, though I'm not saying that those aren't helpful. For some sad Sams, they feel that they need to hide their pain in order to engage in community unless they would be isolated all over again. What captures my attention about this story every time I read it is this woman's act of faith and hope. It's almost like it's a final act of desperation, but it can't be. There's no sense of hesitation in her act. It's not as if she says, gee, if I touch Jesus' robe, maybe it'll work for me, but this is my last hope. She believes it. She believes it in her heart. She knows that if she just reaches out, she will be healed. Her hope of healing rests on Jesus alone. And even just the touch of the hem of his robe is enough for her. So in order to invite the sad Sams, we must be people of hope. There are a lot of definitions out there, especially if you Google it, about hope. Hope can be described as an expectation or a desire that we have and want to be filled, fulfilled. Some of us may have heard the expression, hope for the best and expect the worst, which sounds more like a play on words than encouragement, if you ask me. Some of us may have heard of hope as an acronym, as hold on, pain ends. That's nice. That's helpful, I guess. Though I'm not sure if these definitions do any justice for hope. Hope is not optimism. It's not based on happy feelings or a cheery disposition or a want from good events. It's not about being shiny, happy people like REM. Hope is so much deeper than optimism. I got you to laugh. It's okay to laugh. I'm not saying that hope denies our grief or depression or anxiety or anything of those nature. It doesn't brush those aside as if they don't matter, and it doesn't rush through them of, oh, no, I'm not allowed to feel this way. No, no, no. Rather, hope says, I have these struggles today, but the Spirit is with me to guide me through them. It says, I have tears today, but there will be a day when God will wipe them away. I feel overwhelmed today, and Christ will give me peace. It's the both and, not the either or. So being a people of hope for the sad Sams around us, or even amongst us, means we acknowledge their struggles while also assuring that God will see them through. Not that God will deny them, but is actually with them. As faith and hope inspired this woman with 12 years of bleeding to just reach out, may our hope inspire us to reach out to those who may not have the emotional strength to do so for themselves. So from our passage today, I see a few ways that we can invite the sad Sam's. And there's some cool bullet points. And if you notice, those bullet points are Legos. I got a little creative. First one, reach out. Just reach out. Send a text, a call, or for my generation, send a meme. Send something funny from the internet. Let them know that you're thinking of them and that you actually want to know how they're doing. Actually say, how are you? How are you doing with this? I heard that you're going through this and be okay with what the answer may be. And it may not be a quick conversation, but it might be. It may not be 
super fast. It may just be like, fine, thanks. Or maybe something deeper. It may be the conversation that changes the whole course of their day or week. Reach out as if you were the woman reaching out. Reach out. Second is listen. I love Jesus' first response to this woman, not the who touched me response. So that's also important. His response to this woman, he lets her tell him the whole truth, the whole story, the whole kit and caboodle. And he listens. He lets her tell her story. And it's not that he answers her and interrupts her. I can imagine him just listening. No Bible verses thrown at her. No saying, oh, well, you shouldn't have felt that way or anything like that. There's no scolding. When it came to the young woman that I met who was undiagnosable that I met at UCLA, I had no answers. I am not a medical professional. I have no understanding of that. But I just listened. I just listened. I listened while she laughed and told me stories about her son. I listened to her talk about her career and her life and where she's been and where she wanted to go in her life. I listened to her while she cried, and I just listened. Did it heal her? No, I'm not Jesus. Did it help her feel less alone? I think so. But it doesn't matter what I said. Actually, I don't remember if I said anything. What was mattered is that she was fully heard, and that can change something, that she finally just felt like she could share her story instead of just repeating it over and over to medical professionals. If we just listen, it can provide a lot of comfort for the sad Sams among us. It's not that we have to have the answers or even say, well, just read this or do this, and that's not really listening. Just open your ears. The third is build empathy along with listening. So this is kind of a twofer. Along with listening, I would add that we need to be okay with vulnerability. It's hard to open up about the things that make us stay up at night for too long or the things that make us sad. It is hard for that sad Sam to be vulnerable. So let us listen when they are vulnerable. It takes courage to be vulnerable and to share those things. And it's okay if we feel squeamish sometimes when they share things. It's okay because then we're being vulnerable too. If we're to be a people of hope to the sad Sams, we have to build those empathy muscles. Think of it as like a bicep muscle. Empathy. Just think empathy. One example of empathy I love comes from Brene Brown. She's a well-known author. And she pictures this scene between a little deer. It's an animated little short. You can find it on YouTube if you want to. It's a little deer and she's crying all by herself. And a rabbit comes along and sees her crying. And the rabbit says, um, can I make you a sandwich? Not really empathetic. But then a bear comes along. And the bear sees her crying and he just sits next to her. And says nothing. And just feels whatever this deer is feeling. Empathy is not a matter of taking away that grief and making them happy and like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's not sympathy. Sympathy is great, but empathy is a little more. We share in those feelings with that person, even if we may not know that situation. Maybe we've never even been in that situation, but we can feel it. Though explicitly not said in our text, I can imagine that Jesus was very empathetic towards this woman. Jesus shared in pain with all sorts of people as well as this woman. He shared in her joy of being healed. 
It's amazing. So like Jesus, we can share in the pains and joys with other people. Uh, just a highlight on November 1st, we're going to have our annual hope and remembrance service. And if you know someone who is grieving or you yourself are grieving, please come and join us that night and we can sit together and listen and practice those empathy muscles. We would love to support you and listen to you. And lastly, be a resource or know some resources. It can be helpful to know that there is a phone call for those who are thinking of taking their life. If you know that phone number, uh, or you can say, hey, there's a phone call. If it's in the middle of the night and you need someone to talk to, there is a national suicide hotline and other resources like that. Maybe the sad Sam you know has a therapist that really helps them. So encourage those sacred moments that they have in therapy. And maybe if they're comfortable, ask them, how's it going? Have you been recently? Um, it's okay to love Jesus and have a therapist too. It really is. If not, it can be helpful to know that there are counseling centers around us. There are counseling centers and mental health practitioners in this community that can better help those who are struggling. Um, because it's sometimes it's a lot harder for just the average person. Like we can practice empathy, but maybe there's somebody who can help with more. Most of all, we can be a resource of prayer. We can be a resource of prayer and connecting them to the Holy Spirit by lifting them up as we think of them, lifting them up to God's care because God is with them and we can reassure them that God is with them. God does not leave them abandoned on the outside saying, figure it out. God is with them. We can be a resource of God's care. These aren't the only ways that we can connect with the sad Sams. Or invite them into the community. Most of all, out of all these resources, maybe not even listed, I pray that most of all, that God's presence fills us with the hope that we can be the people he calls us to be. And that's to be the people of hope. That he gives us this confident hope. And that we will share this hope with other people, especially those who may not see it at this moment. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your presence that sees us through whatever season we may be in, whether it is grieving or joyous or somewhere in between, that your presence is there. Give us the hope to know that and also give us the hope to share that it's true for all people, especially those who may not see it for themselves. And give us the courage to reach out to them as the woman who reached out and touched your robe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.